Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. And so in the midst of this, this inconvenience, what we find is that God provided. This winter, we can trust that God will, he will provide. That even in the midst of the inconvenience, even in the midst of the silence, in the midst of the doubt and the fear, you can always have hope that God will provide because he's given us this promise in Jesus. In Philippians chapter four, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. As the Christmas season comes upon us, there is much that we can expect. Christmas carols will be sung, Christmas decorations will be hung, Christmas presents will be wrapped and unwrapped, and Christmas cards will be sent and received. But even with so much that we can expect, there is also much that comes to us unexpectedly. Sometimes it is an unexpected layoff. Other times it is an unexpected illness or even an unexpected family disagreement. So what are we supposed to do with these unexpected surprises that come to us each Christmas? Well, in this sermon series, we'll be looking closely at the first Christmas and all of the unexpected events connected to it to better understand how we are to respond to all of the unexpected events which will come to us this Christmas. Coming. And specifically, personally, there's 127 that can be attached to Jesus. These prophecies of the Old Testament that pointed towards the Messiah coming into the world. And so now that they have this Old Testament, these Old Testament scriptures, that's God's activity amongst God's people that's ultimately going to point towards God's Son available to all of the known world, people could begin to prepare for the Messiah to come. And then there was still another thing, and that was a travel system. It was said in this day that all roads led to Rome. And the point is, is that there was a a very established road system throughout the Roman Empire that allowed for people to travel and more importantly for people to communicate with one another like never before. And that's one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul was able to travel distances that were completely unknown in this particular day. It was unusual for somebody to be able to travel hundreds, if not even thousands of miles like he did to spread the gospel and to preach the word. And one of the reasons he was able to do that is because of the travel system. The other thing that was present was a philosophical need. There were three men, Aristotle, Socrates, and Plato, that essentially implemented what Socrates would have named after him the Socratic method. And what's the Socratic method do? Ask questions. A lot of questions. They questioned everything. But in the midst of questioning so many things, the one thing that they couldn't find was an answer. Because the answer hadn't been born yet. And the answer would be found in Jesus. And so Jesus was born into the world at just the right time when people were asking questions, when people were looking for an answer. And again, one of God's greatest miracles is that he brought his son into the world. But it's not just that he brought his son into the world, it's when he brought his son into the world. That in those days, Jesus was born and he was born at the perfect time. Now, as we consider where we are today, in a way, we're waiting for Jesus to come again, aren't we? It's for him to come again. And whenever he comes again, all the wrongs are going to be made right. Empty tissue boxes go away. 
Small caskets are no more. Tear-stained divorce papers, they don't exist. We wait for that day when he comes again and he makes things right. We wait for that day when the spiritual winter will go away. And the spiritual winter is no more. As you see, it can seem like today we're living between the pages of Malachi and Matthew once again. And maybe even for some of you, it feels like you're experiencing some silence. And you're looking for a good word. You're looking for some direction. And right now, you're in between these pages and you're waiting. And there's sort of this spiritual winter right now that you, you might say that you are experiencing. What I found with these spiritual winters is that they, they can be characterized often by fear. And maybe some of you are scared. You're, you're scared and you're wondering, is my marriage ever going to work out? Are, are my child and I ever going to reconcile? And you've been praying about it. You've been hoping that it would happen, but it just hasn't happened yet. Or maybe you're wondering, will, will, this, will this cancer go away? And you're waiting You're in this season, this spiritual winter, it's characterized by doubt. And you're doubting, are you on the right path? Are you wondering that? You're you're doubting if you've chosen the right direction for your life. Maybe you're even doubting if you're with the right person. And and you're in this season right now in which there's a lot of doubt. And, And often these spiritual winters, they're characterized by silence. And you're looking for a word, but you can't get one. You're looking for some direction, but you're still in a fog. And you're looking for it, you're waiting for it, but for whatever reason, you're just in this place in which there's some silence. That's what the spiritual winters involve. But maybe God, maybe God's got you right where he wants you. And he's about to do something incredible, just like he was in the first century, just like he was right before Jesus was born, when those Jews were undoubtedly having some of the same concerns and fears that we have today. They were, they were in the midst of that spiritual winter in which there was doubt, which there was fear, in which there was silence, and then this is what happened. In those days, what days? Well, the days that we just talked about, when God spent, when God had r- r- rose up an empire, when God split apart a kingdom, when God literally was moving kings and queens, when God was at work in those days, the perfect time for Jesus to born, be born into the world, Caesar Augustus, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of of Syria. And so in those particular days, Jesus was born at just the right time. And here's what we can do this winter, if you're in a spiritual winter, that you can trust God's timing. That God is at work that maybe God has you in a slingshot and he's about to let you go, that right now you can trust God's timing. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? 
because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives and we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program. That's the lesson that we learned from Jesus here, Jesus' birth, is that in the spiritual winter, when you're, looking out the, when you're looking out the window and you're waiting for the Narnia to go away, but it's still there, you can trust God's timing. Peter says it this way, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years. And so in other words, he doesn't quite look at time the way that we look at time, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. You know how we understand slowness? Often it's with our emotions. It's not really with a clock. It's rarely with actual time. It's often with our emotions. You know, case in point, um, at, at times, and, and some of you can relate to this, how many of you have ever driven around at night trying to get one of your kids to go to sleep? How many of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. All right, so you're with me. All right, allow me to, um, yeah, allow me to vent. So... <laughs> So this past week, I'm, I'm driving around at about 3.30 in the morning, and um, I'm trying to get this child of mine, the sweet child of mine, to, to exercise this demon within her, <laughs> out of her, so that I might rediscover this pillow top mattress in my bedroom. But she continues to remain awake, and she has this habit. It's this awful habit of right before she falls asleep, she screams. It's, it's bloody murder, truthfully. And so she screams bloody murder, and, and I always forget that she's getting ready to fall asleep. It just doesn't quite seem real. But in this particular, this particular morning or night or however you want to look at it, she starts to scream, and she's screaming and screaming. I'm sitting there with gripping this steering wheel thinking, why am I out right now trying to get this child of mine to go to sleep? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, and it's go, she's screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming, and all of a sudden it just stops. And I'm like, okay, maybe I need to get one of those monitors. Is she, is she still alive? And, and she's there. She's knocked out. But it's, and I'm, as I was driving, though, it just seemed like it was so long. I mean, the screech was so loud, and it just kept going and going and going. I mean, I felt like it must have been 10 minutes. And then I looked, at, uh, I looked down at the clock, and it had maybe been 90 seconds. You see what I'm saying? When your emotions get the best of you, time, the reality of time just isn't quite what it ought to be. And so what I'm trying to tell you is, is that if you see me driving around at 3.30 in the morning, I'm not doing anything sketchy. <laughs> you know what I'm doing now. If you see me in a gray Honda Odyssey, I'm trying to get the kid to go to sleep. And the other thing I'm trying to tell you is that if you look down at your hand and you see a ring finger that's without a ring, don't, don't think that there won't be a ring there one day. Maybe your emotions are getting the best of you and it's making you feel like that's never gonna happen. When you walk by your nursery and there's not a baby in that room yet, don't think that it's never gonna happen. Your emotions as, may cause you to understand time a little bit differently than the way that God is understanding time. If you look into your bank account, there's just not quite 
<laughs> there's not the money there that you want there to be there. Don't think that it won't ever happen. Don't think that you won't ever catch, catch the break. Don't think that it's not right around the corner that things are going to start to finally come together for you. Don't think that. Don't think that it's never going to happen. Realize that when God's timing, God's timing is perfect. If you've got a doctor, but it never seems like you get good news, maybe, maybe God's got you in that slingshot and he's about to let you go. When we have these seasons of waiting, the spiritual winter can seem really, really cold. But I like how Les Speeds defines this destiny of ours. Waiting is our destiny, as he says. As creatures who cannot by themselves bring about what they hope for, we, we wait in the darkness for a flame we cannot light. We wait in fear for a happy ending we cannot write. We wait for a not yet that feels like a not ever. Waiting is the hardest work of hope. And we need to have a hope that God's timing is perfect because in those days, Caesar Augustus, he issued this decree that a census should be taken. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And, and what you find here is that, that that God, he is orchestrating this so that way Jesus will be born in this small town of Bethlehem. And the lesson that we learn here is this, is that this winter we can trust that God is working. He's working in the mundane. He's working in the small. Is there anything more boring? Is there anything more boring than, than a census? I, I don't know. There probably is, but, but not much. And maybe you're examining your life and you're, you're wondering, like, is this all that life is? Is this all that my life will be, this mundane, inconsequential stuff that I am doing? But it's in the midst of those things, especially those inconsequential interruptions, like a census, that God's going to change the entire world. And often we, gl we gloss over those things. Often we get frustrated by those things. Often we don't appreciate that maybe God is in working in the midst of that inconsequential interruption that's getting ready to change your life. And we can have confidence that God, he is working. Isaiah says it this way, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. For I, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all things. In other words, God does not slumber. God does not sleep. And yes, he took a day off, but I don't think he's taken one off since then. He's always at work. And we can trust that he's working and that he's guiding. He's, he's orchestrating this incredible tapestry that one day we'll be able to look at and say, that was absolutely beautiful. And I see why it is that you did what it is that you did. And I see why you made me wait. And I see why it is that you made me go to this place. And I was interrupted in this way. It all makes, the one day it'll all make sense. But right now we just have to have a little bit of hope and faith that he is indeed working. And in this case, he was working to get Jesus to Bethlehem to fulfill this prophecy. Micah chapter five, verse two, O Bethlehem, you are but a small Judean village, yet you will be the birthplace of my king who is alive from everlasting ages past. You see, when the three wise men, the Magi, they showed up to Herod, they went to Jerusalem and they said, hey, Herod, where's this king of the Jews that's been born? And he said, what are you talking about? Herod didn't know what they were talking about. And so he brings in the Jewish scholars and they say, oh, the Messiah, that's who you're talking about. Well, he's not supposed to be born in Jerusalem. He's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. 
And so then they went on to Bethlehem, where the star ultimately led them to where Jesus was. They went to that place, the small town of Bethlehem. I mean, what do you think Mary and Joseph thought when they received this notice that a census was going to be taken? They had to go back to Bethlehem. I mean, Bethlehem! Bethlehem was a small town. It was nowheresville. It never changed. It was stuck in the the 500 BCs. It was way back. I mean, this was the kind of place that nobody wanted to go to. It was kind of like, um, I learned about this past week, uh, is it Louvers? Louvers? Where they used to, DuPont made made the dynamite. What's the name of the town? Louvers. Louvers, yes. They had to go to Louvers. Who wants to go to Louvers? Nobody goes to Louvers unless you, 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 don't, you don't end up in Louvers unless you intentionally are going to Louvers. That's what Bethlehem was like. Who's going to Bethlehem? Well, the people who would raise the Messiah. And this would be the place where the king would come into the world. And this was a sign unto them that he would be born into this place. And in the midst of this interruption, they could have confidence that God was indeed at work. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, We wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast. Coming back to our text. So Joseph and Mary, they go there to register because they were pledged to be married. She was married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. As the story goes, with census, a lot of the hotels, the inns, they're going to be booked up. If you don't get there early, it's first come, first serve. There wouldn't be a room for you. And that was the case with them. But there was an innkeeper that provided a stable of some kind, probably a cave that had been chiseled out in which they could sleep that night, a place where she could give birth to her son. And so in the midst of this, this inconvenience, what we find is that God provided. This winter, we can trust that God will, he will provide. That even in the midst of the inconvenience, even in the midst of the silence, in the midst of the doubt and the fear, 
you can always have hope that God will provide because he's given us this promise in Jesus. In Philippians chapter four, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And we have a heavenly father who loves us. And because of that love, he will meet the needs that we have, whatever our situation may be, in light of the glorious riches that we have in Christ Jesus. I read this past week of a woman named Stella Thornhope. She was experiencing her first Christmas since her husband had passed away. So now she was a widow. He'd been battling cancer for some time. And a few months before this particular Christmas came about, he passed away. Well, a couple days before Christmas, she was a bit discouraged. This huge storm came upon uh, their, their, their town and she was practically snowed in. She hadn't even put up her Christmas decorations yet. But she felt so lonely, so discouraged, despondent that she decided that, well, this year I'm not going to put up my decorations. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of this great storm, there's a knock at her door. She goes to the door and it's a delivery boy. He has a box and he says, Stella, this is for you, Mrs. Thornpope. This is, this is for you. And she says, son, come on in. And then she asks him, well, who, who sent me this package? And he says, well, well Miss, Miss Thornhope, here you go. And he opens up the box and inside the box is a Labrador retriever. And the boy says, this puppy's six weeks old. He's already potty trained. And he hands over a piece of paper and he says, well, I'd like you to sign off on this so I can leave, leave him with you. And she says, well, who sent him to me? And, and he says, I, I need you to sign off on this. And, and here's a letter for you as well. And she says, son, who sent me the dog? And, she sa and he says, well, your husband. He bought him while he was still in his mother's uh, belly, his mother's womb. And he left you this note that he wrote that he wanted us to deliver when you received the puppy. And so now she signed off on this and she ushered the boy out of her house. She opened up the note and it was full of words of encouragement, of love, admonitions to stay strong. And then he said, I would like this puppy, this puppy to be me to you for as long as he lives. And then he offered her a great promise and he said, I'll be waiting for you. I'll be waiting for you when that day that we can reunite. But in the meantime, I want this little dog to keep you company. And so through the tears, she picks up her dog, her new Labrador retriever at six weeks old. And she looked out the window through the snow that was coming down and she began to see the decorations, the lights from her neighbor's homes. And then she looked back at her dog and she said, um, I got a box downstairs that has some decorations in it. I think there's something down there that you might be able to have some fun with. Let's go get them and bring them back up here and set everything up. At just the right moment, the love that one had for her provided her with exactly what she needed. And her husband who loved her let her know that she didn't have to be alone. She didn't have to feel alone because there would be this dog, there would be this memory with her. And here's what I'm saying. 
is that you and I, we have a heavenly father who wants us to know that we are loved and he wants to admonish us to stay strong. And he's trying to encourage us in the midst of the spiritual winter that we may be experiencing, that even as you look out the window and you don't see a lot of green, that he's still with us. And that because of his love, we can trust his timing. We can trust that he's at work. And above all else, we can trust that he's always gonna provide for us the needs. He's gonna provide for our needs. Because in Christ Jesus, he will always meet our needs according to that particular glory. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so good to us, that we can indeed trust your timing. And Father, that your love, the love that you have for us, provides for us in ways that we can't even imagine. Encourage our hearts, Lord, as maybe we're feeling like we're in a season of silence and a season of doubt and a season of fear. And God, may we come unto you and find the rest that only you can offer us. And we give you this in Jesus Christ's name. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.